Hello, my lovely people, and welcome back to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. Okay, this week, we're going to be talking about Lovers and Other Killers, first aired November 18th, 1984. The IMD summary, IMDB summary says, while in Seattle for a series of lectures, Jessica is drawn into a dangerous case involving young secretary David Tolliver, accused of killing his wealthy older lady friend, Alison Brevard. Now, spoiler alert, there are two murders in this episode. So this one is another two for one. And this, (laughs) this is a crazy one. Let's get right into it. So we open up with someone rummaging through an apartment in the dark. They're clearly a burglar. Then we see the door fling open and a woman who's backlit. So the room is still dark. She's backlit by a light in the hallway. She drops her fur coat just onto the floor and stumbles forward. She doesn't close the door or lock it or whatnot, but... I think it's her bedroom in a house as opposed to, at first I thought it was an apartment. And I'm like, your doors just open into the hallway, just into the public. But I think it's just her bedroom door in her apartment, in her townhouse, we find out. So she goes to the um, the phone. She is all dressed up. Um, Her dress was nice, actually age appropriate. She had her long string of pearls. Uh, I wonder where she was. She looks like wherever it was, she had quite a few drinks and a real good time, you know. (laughs) So she goes to the phone, she dials a number and she, we can see that there are two framed photos, one of a handsome young man and one of this young man and her. Uh, Looking at the photos, it's obviously not her grandson, uh, but... (laughs) We don't know who he is at this moment. Anyway, whoever she's calling doesn't pick up. She hangs up and then she notices her clothes are out of her drawers. She goes over, she looks, she seems confused. Instead of going directly back to the phone to call security or the police or somebody who can help her, she picks up her music box off the floor And she winds it up to see if it's still working. And she starts to sing along with it. She then, we then see a closet door open and someone walk out of it. She feels their presence, turns and looks. And I can't say that she recognized the person. We see his face and it's in a ski mask. So I I really freeze frame to see if it was the same guy in the photo, but I'll, we'll discuss my opinions in a minute. Um, so she looks at the person, she has this angry look on her face. Now, honestly, I thought she was going to beat the heck out of this guy, (laughs) the way she got up and the way she looked, but this person grabbed her pearls and unfortunately strangled her with them. Uh, so she didn't even get a chance to fight back. And so she falls to the ground and dies. So the next scene, we're at the Seattle uh, airport or SeaTac, as it's uh, better known. And we see, we meet Dr. Uh, Edmund Gerard, 
and I'll be calling him Edmund <laughs> for the duration of this. And he's using a payphone to call Amelia, who we find out soon is his secretary. And he's asking about where Jessica is. Did she call? Have we been notified? She didn't get off the flight. I know for sure this is the flight she said she was getting on. But then he says, oh, forget about it. So he sees, because he sees Jessica coming up the escalator. Now, Jessica is holding a baby <laughs> who is clearly Asian. Uh, <laughs> Edmund is like, oh, well, when you said you were bringing, you might be bringing someone. I didn't expect that. She's like, oh, this ain't my baby. <laughs> she was just being a very nice person. She was helping out what we see uh, two nuns uh, who were... I guess, bringing the baby to America for adoption, question mark. So she introduces them to Edmund and she speaks to them in a bit of Mandarin and they speak back. They have a discussion in Mandarin briefly and then they thank her, take the baby and leave. As they're walking away, Edmund is like, sayonara. She's like, oh my God, like, how uncultured are you? They're Chinese. They're not Japanese. <laughs> I like if Jessica didn't say that when she when they were leaving as goodbye, um, then you shouldn't have. <laughs> Just say goodbye. I'm sure they know that enough English to have understood goodbye. So anyway, we find out that this is Jessica's first university lecture. And Edmund is like, oh, you're you're really famous. She's like, yeah, listen, I got to wait online in, back in Cabot Cove, just like everybody else. <laughs> and we find out that Edmund is the dean of students at a major university. And we find out how they know each other in another two scenes. The next scene, we're at the university in Edmund's office. And that's when we meet Amelia. He is Edmund's secretary. And apparently she also pays his personal bills. Now, he makes a statement that she makes a statement as to whether he actually purchased this inflatable raft from this company, which is a legitimate question because he didn't necessarily seem like the whitewater rafting type of person. But, you know, and she spends every day with him during the week, so... This was unusual, and she laughs it off, but I, probably because, like, is this fraud? <laughs> you should be happy that she's concerned. But he says, yes, basically, mind your business. You know, <laughs> it's my money. And then he makes a comment like, oh, she's, there you go again, acting like a wife. And Amelia and Jessica kind of exchange a look, and Amelia laughs it off. But my thoughts are, and I'm sure it's Jessica's thoughts as well, well, you're treating her like a wife. Like she clearly cares for you, like loves you, but you, you're giving her wifely duties without the wife benefits. You get what I'm saying? So he's the one who's created, crossed this boundary and he clearly is oblivious to this. Your secretary shouldn't be paying your credit card bills for personal issues. Anyway, um, also, why is he buying an inflatable raft? But, you know, honestly, who is she to judge? But I think it's because she, in her own way, is trying to figure out, is this fraudulent? Should I be paying this? This is unusual. So good on her. 
And then after we meet Amelia, as uh, Jessica and Edmund are walking on the campus, we find out that Edmund and Jessica went to college together and they spent a lot of time. I don't know if that was her sorority or his fraternity's basement, but she was dating Frank at the time. Now, it's unclear if Frank was also attending college at the time. Um, We know he was in the military if we didn't, we find out in the series that he, Frank was, Frank served in the military, but a lot of her college friends know him. So I'm guessing he went to uh, the college with her. Um, Actually, yes, yes, we find out. And I think this season, um, how they met I believe that uh, they actually did go to college together. So the next scene, we're at Jessica's hotel. It's evening time. She's in her robe. just And they have been doing an amazing job of getting her really nice hotel rooms. So whoever's doing her booking is so much better than <laughs> they um, the ones who did the booking in, um, what was that? Birds of a Feather. Birds of a Feather. Uh, where there was construction next door in the literal room next door to her bedroom. This hotel room was beautiful. Anyway, so there's a knock on the door and Jessica answers it. I would not have personally. And she kept the chain on, so good on her. And it's a guy, a young man. And he. this is the man that we saw in the framed photos in the beginning in Allison Brevard's uh, apartment. So he says, oh, well, I'm, I'm here for the secretary position because actually, let's take it back a second. So Jessica had mentioned that she'll need a secretary to type up her notes and Amelia volunteered to do that. But Jessica was like, no, you know, there's, you're doing so much here and I need someone who's basically full-time. So she said, okay, Amelia said, I'll put out an ad. I'm sure grad students will like snap that opportunity up. So that's what David's referring to, the advertisement for a secretary for Jessica. And I can't believe that she let him in. I would have been like, sir, I understand you want to get a jump on everyone applying because there's going to be so many, but okay, so how about you meet me in the lobby of this building? How did he get her hotel room number for one? I hadn't even thought about that. How'd he get her? That, they give out way too much information back then for hotels. You should not, he should not have been able to get all the way up to her room. They should have had to call from the front desk to tell her that there was somebody here to see her. This is inappropriate. But 1984. Okay. Anyway, so instead of making him set an appointment at 9 a.m. the next morning to meet her in the lobby or at the school someplace appropriate, she actually lets him in. He guilts her into opening the door. And I am so surprised that Jessica fell for that. But my theory is that, and I'm not the only, I'm not alone in this thinking that we are watching the series out of order. That although this is season one, episode seven, that her personality and the way she handles this seems more like the Jessica we met in 
the murder of Sherlock Holmes. And as we proceed, you'll see what I mean, where she doesn't seem as world-wise as she does in some of the middle episodes between episodes two and six, where she seems a bit more... I guess, yeah, I guess world-wise, um, more, more aware of her surroundings and more in tune with, um, less naive. Yes, that's, that's it. She seems between episode two and six, many times a lot less naive than when we met her in The Murder of, uh, Sherlock Holmes, but here again is that same pilot episodes, Jessica. So David gets in and um, he he walks straight into her hotel room, straight to the living room area. He doesn't even like come in the door like normal people come in the door, wait for the person to close it and then follow the person into the the room or the house or something like that. You don't just walk into somebody's hotel room. But okay. So um now what I also noticed <laughs> is that although Jessica is in clearly in her pajamas and robe, that she has on a full face of makeup. So I am guessing that taking off her makeup is the last step before she goes to bed. Or maybe she doesn't take her makeup off (laughs) to go to sleep. I thought it was very strange because I understand it's a TV show, but there's definitely ways to have a bare face uh, or as they call it, like a light beat where it does not look like you're wearing makeup. I'm sure the makeup artists are skilled enough to do that, but... (laughs) And um, this, this, David is clearly, for one, he's a creeper. Like he's a a very good looking man, but he just gives off creeper. You know, he didn't even have to say a word. And I was uncomfortable, not only for myself, but for Jessica, right? (laughs) He's clearly a manipulator. And he knows that he presents well. He knows he's attractive. He knows he's well-spoken. And he is very adept at using reverse psychology. He does, he figures out that Jessica does not want to be offensive. She is not the type of person who is going to make a scene or wants to be seen as someone who would be, would discriminate against someone. So he uses that. He keys right into that and he uses that. So um, he he does the interview, I guess you would say. He types up, he has her pick a page in a magazine as he's talking to her, pleading his case. Um, he's typing up that page. He gives it to her. It is perfectly, um, it is really well done. She then starts to express her concerns like, listen, I have never had a secretary of any gender and, you know, I I really don't necessarily feel comfortable with you. I'd feel more comfortable with an older woman. So she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking notes. And so he reads it back and conveniently enough, he says, 
I think I would just feel more comfortable with a younger man. Oh, did I get that wrong? And she's like, no, no, you can start. Jessica, (laughs) he is manipulating you. And it doesn't even seem like in some other situations, we've seen her allow people to think that they've gotten over on her. However, in this situation, it feels like he actually did get over on her. That is why I think that she is much more naive in this this episode than she was in some of the prior ones that we saw. So Jessica hires him instead of saying, oh, well, thank you. I will take this into consideration. Um, I'm still going to interview other people tomorrow, but you know, I truly appreciate your dedication and your desire to work for me. And that will um, be heavily in your favor. No, she hires him on the spot and tells him we'll get working tomorrow. She says, well, um, you know, when, but wouldn't you rather go to the lecture? To which he says, oh, well, my taste in literature runs from Vonnegut to Hess. It's like, okay, both of which who are novelists and poets and are men. Let, we'll put that out there, okay? So she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. He, it seemed very shady, but she takes that in stride. The next scene, we're in her class and she's acting out a scene. And I notice it's standing room only. So (laughs) the entire lecture hall is full. So it's not like she was teaching. She was, it wasn't like she was a guest lecturer in someone's course. This was a specific set of lectures that she was giving. So there was standing room only which was great to see, I'll just say. So the next scene, we're at back at Jessica's hotel. She walks in and she finds David uh, reading her book. She's like, you have very expensive reading habits. And so at 5.60 an hour, you have very expensive uh, reading habits. And he says, oh, I finished hours ago. Um, and so I'm like, well, okay, wait. So you have been in my hotel room for hours after you've completed the task that I asked you to do. Why are you still here? <laughs> That's creepy. Like, leave. You can put a note like, um, Jessica, everything is done. You can give me, you know... I'll be there tomorrow at 9 a.m. unless you want to change my schedule. Whatever. You could have left a note. Okay, that's a real thing. But I also, I actually took the time to look up what the minimum wage was in 1984. And it was actually $3.35 an hour. So Jessica paying him $5.60 an hour. This was a great job, okay? Um, Even better if you were a fan of Jessica Fletcher. But this this was an excellent job. (laughs) Oh, I just have to type this up. Not that secretarial work is easy. But I just have to type this up, up her notes. 
And Jessica seems like she probably has a legible handwriting, to be honest. And you, you're getting five sixty an hour. This is yeah. I could see why any grad grad student would line up to get this opportunity. So then, um, Mr. Manipulator shows his face again. He's like, "Oh, how about look at the time? It's dinner time. How about we go out for dinner?" To which Jessica's like, oh, I don't think my digestive system could handle pizza and beer or whatever you guys eat. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't do pizza and beer. How about the Chateaubriand? And she's like, yeah, you can afford that? (laughs) And he was like, no, but you can. Now, again, he has realized that Jessica does not want to offend. And he also throws in some flattering in there. So he puts some sugar and some spice on everything he says. So she's like, okay. Again, I'm very surprised that Jessica is falling for this. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't seem like he is playing into her plan at this point. So um, they go And they're in the restaurant and she's like, oh, everyone's staring at us. And he's like, "Um, no, they're looking at me because they're they're jealous because I'm with such a beautiful woman. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you've done enough. Reel it on back. So the check comes. He goes to grab the check. She's like, no, 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 no. Poor college students shouldn't have to pay. Um to eat with um, celebrity writers or however she put it. And he said, I never said I was a poor college student. So it's like, uh, wait a second. But (laughs) all right, we got to hope that Jessica gets out of this trance soon. So now we're outside the restaurant and uh, they pull David's car around And Jessica comments, oh, it's a very fancy car. So I also looked this up. This is a 1980s Porsche. It could be a 1984. It does look brand new, bright red, beautiful. But didn't they come together in that car? But okay, whatever. So the valet brings it around and Tolliver, David pulls out this large roll of bills. It's like 100, 100, 100, 20, 10, 5. And then he finally gets down to some singles to tip the guy. And um, at this point, you know, Jessica's looking to the side like, what is this guy's deal? And then we have Lieutenant Andrews. He approaches and he says... Um, Mr. David Tolliver, uh, I need you to come with me to the station. We have some questions for you. And he's like, what is this regarding? And he says, uh, Alison Brevard was murdered in her townhouse a few nights ago, and he wants to speak with Tolliver. And so he says, we can either, you can either come voluntarily or I can arrest you, basically. (laughs) So... What I also noticed, and we have to take a look at what Lieutenant Andrews is saying. So he is approaching the Chateau Briand, so a fancy restaurant. He sees Jessica, who is an older woman. Um, 
And he actually doesn't know her, so I can't say he knows that she is wealthy, but she does appear that she has money. They're at this restaurant, um, and again, he's with an older woman who looks like she has money. So he's thinking, uh, Lieutenant Andrews is probably thinking, all right, well, this is his next sugar mama. To be absolutely honest, he got rid of Allison, and he is on the hunt for his next benefactor. So then the next scene, we see Jessica and uh, David leaving the precinct. My question is, why would she wait for him? You do not know this man. He is being questioned for a murder. Okay. (laughs) Like, no, I wouldn't have waited for him. I would have been like, listen, I will never see you again, sir. Please do not come back to my hotel room. But no, she sits and waits. She wasn't questioned. So she sits and waits for him for two hours. Because she says, he's like, oh, it was just some routine questioning. And she says, two hours of questioning is not routine. However, now I think that they were just feeling him out and that they're going to look more into him. And we see as he pulls off, there's an undercover car that follows him. So I think that they need to still gather more evidence, but two hours is actually not a long time, to be honest. (laughs) I'm just surprised that Jessica waited for him all this time. So the next day where Jessica's outside the precinct talking to an officer who points her across the street to a restaurant. She goes downstairs to get into the restaurant. She's looking through the window And then we hear Lieutenant Andrew saying, oh, are you looking for me? She says, oh, yes. Um, Oh, they must have told you that I come over here for coffee, a bagel, and the sports page every day. Lieutenant Andrews knows that David Tolliver and Allison Brevard had a relationship. And it really appears that David is moving on to Jessica. And he says as much, you know, I know he's an attractive man and it must be flattering that he's interested in you, but he's dangerous. And the fact is that Lieutenant Andrews is right. Like he is looking at this as someone who has no skin in the game in that relationship, right? Whatever it may be. He doesn't. He is just doing his duty as law enforcement to be like, lady, Okay, now he he is just after your money. Okay, honey, <laughs> do not fall for his tricks. Do not be manipulated by him. So Jessica doesn't understand how the actual detectives work, right? She he's giving her some of the the theories that he has uh, about why he believes David is the murderer, and she's like, "Well, that's not enough." Uh, Jessica, they didn't arrest him because that's not enough, correct? But that is the beginning of an investigation. You know, people don't necessarily always just find uh, a clue and then, oh, I know who it is and have them arrested, just work it all out and have it arrested. That's not how real detectives work. And Lieutenant Andrews is starting with a theory and playing it out to see if, that is if he can find evidence to support that theory 
or if he finds evidence that draws him away from that theory onto a different theory uh, and suspect. So in actuality, like David Tulliver is an amazing, he's a great suspect and the lieutenant is doing his job because if he did not um, look into David, then he would not be doing his job. He would be a terrible detective if he didn't look into the prime suspect, this older woman's lover who may have been tired of her and wanted to go on to the next. And so he gets rid of her by staging a burglary uh, that she stumbles upon and, and kills her. So at this point, the <laughs> lieutenant's like, yeah, this conversation's over. He gets in, he closes the door. She goes to open the passenger side door like we've seen her do before and we'll see her do many times in the future uh, to get in so she can finish her conversation and get her point across. He, unlike most of these law enforcement officers, actually locks his door. (laughs) So she pulls on the door it's locked and he just drives on off, <laughs> leaving her standing, th- standing there dumbfounded. Now, I, I love Jessica. I love this show. I love this episode. But uh, listen, you got what you got. That lieutenant is doing his job and he does not need you to get involved like this. Now, as we see Jessica grow, Um, as a character and as a detective, let's be honest, and the novelist, she does, she is better able to read law enforcement and how she can do what she needs to do to solve the crime without uh, stepping on their toes. So the ones that invite her in, she has free reign. The ones that hold up a shield, she is better able to navigate that in future episodes and seasons. So now we're back at the hotel and I really like her outfit. Like the sweater matches the trousers and the white shirt. It, it's just a very nice combination. She always dresses really, mm, I take that back. Some of her outfits, I question a bit, but this one was really nice, casual, but professional, clean lines. Just, it was a good one. So she comes into the hotel and she goes to the, to the phone And then she notices that there's paperwork sticking out of her briefcase. And then all of a sudden, David comes out from, I'm guessing, the bathroom. And she's like, "Uh, how did you get in here? And he's like, oh, well, the maid let me in. She knows that I'm working for you. So she let me in. And Jessica's like, "Uh, that's not how this works. Did you go into my briefcase? And he's like, no. She's like, but one of the latches is open. He's like, I didn't. Um, so she is completely uncomfortable at this point. So now she's spoken with the detective. He's planted a seed that she needs to open her eyes to this situation and not be, not allow his personality and looks to cloud her vision. So she's seeing a little clearly now. So he, he tells her his, his story. So we'll call this story one. I'm probably not going to keep count after this, but this is story one. Um, He says, 
Uh, he met Alison Brevard when she crashed into his parked vehicle. We don't know what car that was beforehand, okay? We don't know what he was driving at that time, but this is his story. She crashed into his vehicle, totaling it. Mind you, he wasn't injured. Um, Maybe he wasn't in the car, okay? Maybe he wasn't in the car. He um, then drove her home in her car, and she wrote a check for him to pay for a new car because she was drunk driving and didn't want insurance to know. My question is, how much was that check <laughs> that he's now driving a brand new red Porsche? Okay, and usually red cars cost more and Porsches cost uh, a lot to begin with, even in 1984. <laughs> and so how much was that check that she just wrote you? Did she write it to you and you deposited? Did she, did you sign it over to the dealership? This doesn't sound believable at all. Okay. And he said that they went out to dinner a few times and that was it. So, when did you take those photos that were framed in her bedroom? Okay, if y'all only went to dinner a few times and that was it. And she wrote him a check for $400 to um pay make his final tuition payment for that year because he was tapped out. I'm like, so instead of paying your tuition with this check that she gave you, you go and buy a Porsche? What was your job before getting hired by um, by Jessica? His story does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. What makes sense is he was in a relationship with Allison. She was his sugar mama, bought, her, bought him that car, um, gave him a, an allowance situation, um, probably paid his tuition separate and apart, and he was living pretty, and maybe he just was ready to move on, or... Luck would have it, she actually was robbed and murdered by the burglar, was actually burgled and actually murdered by the burglar. One of the two. One of the two is what happened, but end, beginning, middle, and end of the day, she was his sugar mama. <laughs> okay. Jessica's still, it, Jessica's still skeptical. And she um, says... Um, okay, I, I think we're done for the day. Uh, and I'll, I'll call you. Don't call me. I'll call you. And so he's like, oh, well, okay. But, um, this sounds like a dismissal, but okay. Okay. Like get out. So she says, and David never let yourself in that way again. And he says with a straight, creepy face, word of honor. I... I'm completely creeped out by this. I'm like, get out of her room. Jessica, get to a safe space. <laughs> He's a creeper. So now we're at the university. And Jessica is now again defending David. She was just in the last scene, very distrusting and dismissed him for the day. But now she's again uh, sticking, defending him. Um... He Tolliver says at this point he was home alone studying. He doesn't have an alibi. 
Um, it's interesting that he was already in the office talking to Amelia when Jessica and Edmund walked in. And he's like, oh, I, I was waiting. I wanted to talk to you. I just wanted to assure you that I had nothing to do with the murder. And Edmund doesn't believe him as far as he can throw him. And then Jessica sticks up for him. Like, well, you know, I'll have lo- I'm going to stay up late tonight and I'll have loads of writing for you to do, loads of notes for you to type up tomorrow. So like this is this is the same day. He's th- he's wearing the same sweater, she's wearing the same teal and white outfit. And I'm just blown away by how quickly her tone changed with regards to him. Jessica even says uh, he may be a con man and a liar, but not a killer. And I'm like, because he has, if he was, he would have had a better alibi. So the fact that he has a weak alibi, he's not a killer. Okay. Um, Or he's just a master manipulator and he realizes that oh, let me just make something up so to throw her off to make her think I don't have a good alibi so she'll never suspect I'm the murderer. Jessica's too smart for this, but for some reason, he is getting one, two, three over her. So the next scene, we're in a loud bar and a woman is on the phone, is calling from a payphone. We see that she's calling Jessica. This is Lila. I believe she says what her name is. And she claims, Lila claims that she ha- is David Tolliver's alibi. That they were together all night and she can prove it. Okay, I want to see those receipts too. My And she's calling Jessica in her hotel room. So this lead, this gives her a bit more credibility because... She could have gotten it from David. How would she know what hotel Jessica was staying at? How would she know her room number, either the phone number or the the floor and room number? So it seems like, okay, well, maybe she is an alibi for David, even though he said he was home studying alone all night. And Lila asked... <laughs> And when JB starts to ask like, well, what? why should I believe you? Who are you? How'd you get this number type thing? She tells Jessica to shut up and listen. Are you serious? I would have hung up the phone. I would have hung up the phone. Like, I don't care. You need to talk to the police then. I don't need anything. I don't hear need to hear anything you have to say. After you done told me to shut up, no, shut up this phone and hung up. <laughs> Who is she? Anyway, she said, Lila's like, um, meet me in this abandoned warehouse. And she says this in abandoned warehouse uh, tonight at whatever time. Now, Jessica, <laughs> I, I have no words, no words. So at this point, Lila is approached by a man who grabs her and like, what are you doing? And his name is Jack. That is Lila's husband. And um, he's asking how they can work this out. He's still in love with her. She's like, it's over. I'm getting out of here. Um, He's like, we're married. She's like, not for long. She's got plans, right? Then she finally gets out of his grip. 
nobody even gets up to help her. Like this is like a straight up domestic violence situation going on and nobody could be bothered to pay attention to them. Very scary. She then goes and sits next to this guy. It seems like that was where she was sitting before. There's an empty plate that looks like it had food on it and a beer. And the guy is just sitting there with his hands on the chair like he's not surprised she's sitting there. So Jack needs to have a conversation with this guy. This is the person he needs to be like manhandling is this guy who's sitting next to his wife having a drink (laughs) and seems to have come there with with her. The next scene, we're at the warehouse because, of course, Jessica was going to this abandoned warehouse to speak with this woman, Lila, who supposedly has an alibi for the master manipulator, David. And it is abandoned. It is dark. (laughs) The taxi driver is just hanging out outside. I guess she told him to wait. She should have told him to come in with her. This ain't safe. And the fact that he's willing to sit out there and she's going into this abandoned building, this older woman alone, uh, I wouldn't have paid him, but I wouldn't have gone in the first place because this is how people get murdered. So (laughs) anyway, so Jessica's looking around um, and she, she doesn't even have a weapon. She is really just uh, living on the edge at this point. So she goes inside. There's a bunch of brown boxes that appear to have stuff. They're sealed. So they're made boxes that are sealed. It looks like an extreme fire hazard, to be absolutely honest. There are lights. So so this isn't abandoned, actually. This warehouse isn't abandoned because there appears to be merchandise in there. And it has electricity and like full-on lamps. Um, not just like a naked bulb just <laughs> swinging <laughs> in the wind. Uh, it It's not abandoned. It's just closed. So not nearly as scary as she made it sound. Anyway, Jessica's calling out to Lila and not getting a response. She turns the corner and she sees Lila staggering forward, knocking over boxes that are clearly empty. <laughs> They're taped closed, but they're clearly empty, falling onto the ground. And we see then the next, it's not a full scene, but we come back and Lieutenant Andrews is there. There are police and ambulances. They're taking the body out. So she clearly died. And Lieutenant Andrews tells a a detective, go pick up... um, David Tolliver, go pick up Tolliver. And because, you know, it th- like this is, and he tells Jessica, this was extremely dangerous. I'm sure he wanted to say, this was stupid, lady. <laughs> like, he's not worth it. You could have been murdered here and nobody would have found you. But he he's trying to be as stern, but uh, polite and professional as he can be. <laughs> Because I'm sure he's like, I can't believe this woman came to this closed warehouse. I won't even use abandoned because it clearly wasn't. This closed warehouse in the middle of the night to meet this woman here. Like you couldn't, y'all couldn't meet in a, a park? Y'all could <laughs> like, on a playground? At the mall? Something. Anyway, 
so then the detective comes back to Lieutenant Andrews and um, Jessica, and he's like the detail. So the those who the officers who were watching David Tolliver's house said that he was in his apartment all night. But honestly, he could have went out the back window. Like, I I don't know what this detail is. They could have just been in the front. He could have had a back door, gone out the fire, down the fire escape. We don't know. Them being out front isn't sufficient for me. Unless they were in his room staring at him the whole time, he could have got out, okay? (laughs) He's manipulative enough that he could have convinced the detectives to take him on to the murder site at this rate. So now we're at the precinct and um, they did pick up uh, David Tolliver and brought him to the precinct, even though he has an alibi, question mark. And he he's telling them that he didn't want, he told Lila not to tell them. He made up his alibi about uh, being home studying because he did, he was afraid that if her husband Jack found out that he would hurt her because he's abusive and that him and Lila were seeing each other and it was turning into something. So he was concerned that Jack would find out and actually hurt her. And if she testified and said that they were together, then Jack would know for sure that she was cheating on him. So now we're back at the university. So Amelia is actually being very cold to Jessica. And she's like, listen, I know that you love Edmund. I am not a competitor. We are good friends from college. I'm not interested in him like that. And Amelia getting caught red handed. is like, oh, I don't know what you mean. But giggle, giggle, giggle. You know, I do. (laughs) You know, he he doesn't realize it. Um, you know, I loved Gwen, who was his his wife. I loved her. But then when she was a wonderful person, wonderful for him. But when she passed, you know, dot, 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 she thought she had a chance. But then she did. it didn't work out that way. <laughs> and now she doesn't know that he's seeing anybody else question mark. Um, But, you know, she has feelings for him. She doesn't know. She's not confident enough to just tell him outright because how awkward, you know. I'm pretty sure that if she told him, I'm in love with you and I want to work something out, like I want to give this a chance, that she would have to leave the university, like, or at least not be his secretary anymore. I'm sure there's rules about that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, honestly, these people don't read the university manual and we're about to see that in three seconds. But she would probably have to give that job up for... And what if he didn't feel the same way? Now you've put yourself out there and you told him and he's like, uh, no, thank you. And then you definitely have to leave. Like you don't, that is too awkward. There's no coming back from that. You definitely have to leave at that point. So it's, it's easier for her to just hope that he figures it out. I don't think she ever would have told him that she loved him 
because of that, because she's not sure if he feels the same way and why just upset your entire life to take that chance that he's not going to reciprocate. And now you have to leave a job that you really do enjoy. So double-edged sword there. And um, also, I, I, Amelia said that she, she's always liked David Tolliver, right? And Jessica was, says, well, I don't think that he did it. She's like, oh, good. Okay, because I, I always liked him. Now, I'm wondering, just a little sneaking suspicion, I don't know. I'm wondering if Tolliver, if David tried to work his charms on her. Now, walk with me for a second here. He likes older women. He says so, but let's assume he does. He likes older women. She's a well-kept woman. She's probably making decent money. She has direct access to the dean and he is a grad student. So she would be the perfect person to to put the moves on, even if it wasn't dating or anything like that. Just, you know, charm her, get her to like you so you can get things done behind the scenes. I'm wondering, because he was talking to her before Jessica and uh, Edmund came in a few scenes ago. So I'm wondering if um, if they had anything. You know, I, I think at the very least, he worked his charms on her as well so that he could get whatever he needed from the dean without the dean knowing. I think she was like an insider for him. So now the next scene, we're at the pool. There's somebody swimming in an Olympic-sized pool. There is a guy on a bicycle, a stationary bike, outside wearing a Speedo. Okay, an older gentleman. I'm like, what is this setup? (laughs) Where's she at? Are ladies supposed to be in there? Because I am uncomfortable just watching this. He is just in a Speedo, just on the bike outside, just, you know, living his life. There's an, I think another guy walks by and he's also in swimwear. And the person who, and Jessica's squad is uh, kneeling, not kneeling, actually she's squatting by the pool. And the person comes up and it's Jack, Lila's husband. And, um, He's like, oh, yeah, you're the the murder lady. You got a a book or something? (laughs) How does Jack know Jessica? Now, they don't make it clear at this point. Does Jack go to the school? How is Lila related to the school? Now, I'm going to take you back for just a second because remember in the first lecture, at the end of it, um, when we meet Professor Lowry, he, we see a woman at the back door. He looks up and the smile kind of drops from his face. He turns back to Jessica. He, he says his goodbyes. And at that point, Edmund comes in, comes down the stairs. Lowry goes upstairs. And if you watch, Lila takes his arm and they walk out together. And that's why Jessica was like, oh, do you suppose that's his wife? He's like, whose wife? Lowry's wife. 
No, he was like, do you suppose that's Emily? It's like, who? It's like, his wife. He's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He's like, you're in the middle of a thought that I wasn't a part of. (laughs) He wasn't even polite about it. He's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I guess, you know, she's a world famous writer. We don't know how many books she has at this point. We know in one episode, we've been told she had six. Maybe she has six still. And maybe Jack recognizes her from her book uh, so or books. And Jessica was like, you know, you seem to be doing pretty well considering that your wife was murdered. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, she's dead. I, I can't I can't do anything about that. And Jessica was like, well, you threatened to kill her. And this is my one of my favorites. This is one of my favorite lines in this episode. Jack says, I also threatened to win a gold medal at the Olympics. And I, but I didn't even make the team. I was like, oh, 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 he, he shaded himself. (laughs) Look, I say a lot of things that don't happen that I don't mean. (laughs) Ma'am, words are words. (laughs) Anyway, so um, Jack is now still pretty wet from the pool he did like a little pat down situation but he's still very wet from the pool and he is on a treadmill I'm like what sort of gym situation is this where you are in a speedo soaking wet on an electrical (laughs) exercise machine okay I with no shoes on just barefoot I don't know what this situation is but it looks dangerous from beginning to end. Okay. So Jessica was like, they get to the point where he's talking about like, he thought that she was cheating. And Jessica says, oh, with David Tolliver. He's like, who? You mean that grad student? Pretty guy? Smiles a lot? (laughs) He's like, no, that was just, him and Lila were just friends. They weren't in a relationship. She wasn't the one that I was concerned about. And, um, He's like, well, she was like, was it Professor Lowry? And he's like, you ask a lot of questions, lady. (laughs) She's like, another one of my faves. Well, I'm nosy. (laughs) She didn't lie. She told the absolute truth. She's nosy. (laughs) And and then Jack is like, "Uh, ma'am, aren't you late for class? Now, how he know what time the lecture is? So I'm like, they don't tell you if he go to that school or whatnot, but how come he knew what time her lecture was? So she's like, oh my gosh. So she goes, she runs in. We're now at the class. And it says, the name of the seminar on the blackboard says murder for profit. And as she's giving, building a scenario, she calls on Professor Lowry and who, and she definitely believes that he is Lila's lover and perhaps her murderer and he basically um and we and she saw like having now met Lila unfortunately as she was dying she now flashes back I'm sure in her mind we don't see this flashes back that she's the woman that I saw Lowry leaving with after my first lecture so now this in this lecture uh murder for profit Jessica directs 
her questions to Professor Lowry. Again, standing room only. Yay, Jessica. And really does a bit of a direct examination on him. And you can clearly see he's uncomfortable. Um, He knows that she knows that he had a relationship with Lila. Um, Because she believes he does. And we find out that he did have a relationship with Lila. We find out a little bit more in a little bit. And I think in two or three scenes from now, we find out a little bit more about that. But he's clearly uncomfortable. So the the lecture ends. Our next scene, we're at the hotel. Jessica is like running in. It's probably been a long day. She probably just wants to lay down and be done with it. But she sees on the refrigerator a note from David. And I love how they did, had him do the voiceover for it. <laughs> Reading it out loud. Nice touch. And it says that there was a call from Professor Lowry asking her to meet him in his office at 9 p.m. And it was urgent and confidential. Jessica, did you not learn from going to that quote-unquote abandoned, but closed, warehouse by yourself how dangerous that was? Now, it was really dangerous for Lila, but you could have easily been murdered yourself. But no, she goes to the school, which apparently doesn't have, the door was open and does not have security at night. I don't know what prestigious university this is. So she just walked on in. It's all dark. There's no security. Then there's a sign on the elevator that says out of order. So she has to take the stairs. And it reminds me, even though it's a different camera angle, it reminds me of uh, the st- when the guy was walking up the stairs in Psycho. Okay, just that whole eerie... Uh, feeling like that's what it gave me. So, um, and it, it, the funny thing is that there is an episode that pays homage to Psycho. So, just put a pin in that for episodes down the line. But in this one, it definitely gives that vibe of the man walking upstairs in Psycho. She gets to the top, and there's somebody dressed completely in, bu- in black. And she's stunned. And then that person pushes her. She falls, well, her stunt woman or stunt man, okay, falls down the stairs. And then the camera gets close, does a close up. And she's, she's dazed. And it's actually now Angela Lansbury. She's on the ground. She turns over. She's glazed. Her eyes are glazed over. And we hear David, he's like, Jessica, Jessica, are you okay? He runs up to her and she's like, David, what are you doing here? And then she like passes out. So this isn't looking good for David, but I will say that it was less likely that he was the person who pushed her down the stairs because we don't see, and I guess it could be argued that it's a camera trick, the direction of the camera, but we don't see anyone. He would have had to change clothes because he was not wearing all black and run down the stairs. Additionally, we see the shadow uh, or the, we see the silhouette of the person who pushes her down the stairs. And they're definitely much more petite than David. They're definitely much more petite than David. 
So I, it clearly wasn't him, but that's what she is led to believe. So she believes that it was David who pushed her down the stairs. So now um, I, I will also say, I, I forgot to say this earlier, she has mace this time. So this time she at least came with some sort of protection. It obviously didn't help her because when she got up the stairs and saw the person all in black, both of her hands were up and it, with her look of surprise, it wasn't, one wasn't on the mace because if it had been on the mace, like it was supposed to be, she would have been like, whoa, spray in your face, run down the stairs. <laughs> so we are led to believe that she was prepared, but she definitely was not prepared for a confrontation. So then we're um, at the hospital. Jessica is fully dressed in the hospital bed. They're um, attending to her head. I don't think she had a gash um, but they're making sure that it doesn't swell. She probably hit it uh, on her way down. Uh, it was a very brutal fall. You know, I'm sure that the stunt person uh, is well-trained, but even with a well-trained stunt person, that looked very brutal, you know. And if a woman of her particular age actually fell down those stairs, like she would have been dead. Like they're... It wouldn't have been like, oh, she's dazed. She she wouldn't have made that. Most of us wouldn't have made it, to be honest. Anyway, so Edmund is there. David Tolliver is there. And Edmund is being very, is very upset. And he's like, why did you push her down the stairs? And he's like, I didn't. He's like, you're lying. Just like you lied about Lila. And he's like, what are you talking about? We were together that night that Alison Brevard was murdered. And he said, no, you weren't because she was with me. Jessica's eyes shoot open and she looks at him like, what? I, I have lots to say about this, but we're, we're going to just, mm-hmm. So it's, he says it with such like anger, yet a bit of pride. Kind of like, are you happy now? Uh, but I, I'm sitting here like, are you happy now? You've proved your point, but that just shows that you're the worst because is Lila a student? Because she was at the university. Like, was she a student? She's significantly younger than you and you are the dean of this school. This doesn't look good for you, sir. Now you're single. That's, that's, you are single, but she has a entire husband. She is married it doesn't matter if they were going through rocky times or whatnot. She has an entire husband, okay? <laughs> she is legally married. They're not shacking up. They are legally married. And you, as a dean of this prestigious university, are held to a certain standard. And you're out here gallivanting with this woman, this married woman. Now, and now you don't put it out for everybody. Are you, you should be fired, but let's see what part she plays in the school because if she's a student he should be immediately terminated like somebody need to go as creepy as David Tolliver is I would have been like listen I ain't murdered that lady but I tell you what he said <laughs> your dean is out here sleeping with students 
All right, if we gonna go, if I'm gonna go down, we everybody going down. <laughs> and I wouldn't even be mad at him. Now, if she's not a student, but she is connected to the university in some way, also he should be disciplined, if not fired. So the next scene, we're at the cafe. We're at an outdoor uh, cafe right in front of the Space Needle. So they are definitely making sure that you know that this is Seattle. We're at, we were at SeaTac at the beginning, a very well-known airport. And then now, of course, the Space Needle is just perfectly framed in the background as Jessica and Edmund are eating outside. And she, she doesn't want to know any details, actually. I think she's just being polite by being there with him. <laughs> Because they, they shouldn't, no, like y'all shouldn't be friends anymore. Like you need to let him go because he has horrible morals and we're about to find out why. So uh, we find out that David paid Lila to lie so that he would have an alibi. It's still unclear why if, if you tell everyone I was home studying alone then you ride that out. But if you were going to have her lie for you, it should have been from the very beginning. Okay. She has to tell this lie as soon as the lieutenant, and they didn't have cell phones at this time. So, you know, he couldn't like text message her like, yo, you're my, al- you're my alibi for this night. But as soon as he got out of the police interrogation, he should have told them I was with Lila, whoever, whoever. And I'm sure that if they called her, even during this interrogation, if they called her and was like, on this day, this day, were you with David Tolliver? That unless, that she would have said yes. That she would have said, of course I was. Yeah. What did he say? Like, yes, the entire day. Like, entire day, entire night, um, until the next day. So we find out that how Lila came to be in these people's lives. So now we know David Tolliver is a graduate student. So he is actually a student at the university. That's how he's connected to the university. He also had a relationship with Allison, Allison Brevard, right? So that's how he's connected to these two. And he was good friends with Lila. So this is how he's connected to the two murder victims. But how is Lila connected to uh, Professor Lowry and Edmund? This is how. So apparently Lila came to Edmund looking for a job. Now we don't know if this was out the blue. He doesn't talk about any ever knowing her before. But I'm like, do they know? You just go straight to the dean of the school looking for a job. That does not seem, that doesn't seem, that does not sound right at all. Okay. Because you would go to career services to find a job, but why would you go to the dean of the school to get a job? Maybe that's how it worked in 1984, but in my lifetime, that's never how it worked. As a, from my professional life, that's never, and all the schools that I've gone to, that's, that's not how you get a job. But if you don't know the person now, 
if her father knew him and sent her over like, oh, yeah, you know, my dad, da, 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 whatever. That is different. Uh, but it seems like he didn't know her from a can of paint. So why would she go directly to you looking for a job? Sounds fishy to me. If I was Jessica, I would not believe it. But anyway, he said she came looking for a job and that at the time, Professor Lowry needed a a teaching assistant. Now, again, I went to undergrad and I went to law school. And in all my years between those two universities, I have never known a teaching assistant to be hired off the street. Okay. It is usually a student who previously took the course and did very well and also gets along well with the professor. That is how, or it's a graduate student who needs credit. So it's usually a graduate student or a student who previously took that class, did well, and also gets along with the professor. Not someone off the street. And he was in the English department. So I need to know if you're able, you know what a dangling participle is? Because I don't. But I'm thinking that a teaching assistant in the English department of a prestigious university should know what that is. Uh, does she know how to use punctuations correctly? A comma, you know, a semicolon, yeah. Just off the street, just off the street. That's not how that works. If Jessica believes any of this story, then I am very concerned because none of it makes sense. Anyway, so then Lowry, who is very, who is married, and we know this from the first time he met Jessica, and he said that his wife is a fan of hers, that he started a relationship with Lila, who is also married. And apparently she wanted to break it off. But according to Edmund, um, Lowry was, although more subtle than her husband, he was also, I guess, abusive or controlling. Controlling, that's the word. And so he would not let her go. So she goes back to Edmund to tell him like, I, okay, like we, we had an affair and he's, he's not letting it go. He's very controlling. It's, you know, it's just as bad as my husband. I, this is terrible. And I have these two guys that are controlling and I, I can't deal with this. So instead of helping her, instead of disciplining Professor Lowry and, but, um, then Edmund starts sleeping with Lila. And he's like, it was, <laughs> she is his, she still works for the university. I'm guessing. I'm guessing she still works for the university. She obviously, if when Jessica came to do her lecture and she's walking out arm in arm with Lowry, that doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like she's done with that relationship either, which her speaking to Edmund was supposed to help her get away from Lowry. If that's even true, like if that's even true that she came to him and 
told told her, I'm sorry, and told him, I'm trying to get away from Lowry, she could have been looking to play him, to get Edmund for whatever she could get him for, you know, and um, maybe playing both sides of the coin to see getting good with Edmund and then she could let Lowry go. I don't know, but they are, Lowry is a, a trash person because you're sleeping with your teaching assistant. Both of you are married. And well, Lila, you know, she's a trash person too. Let's, I'm, I'm not giving her a pass. Unfortunately, she's dead and, you know, can't, you know, defend herself or explain. But Edmund is terrible. And he's telling the story like he's not in the wrong. Like he's not necessarily telling it bragging or being proud. But he needs to be absolutely ashamed. Because Jessica didn't want to hear it because she knew this was going to be some mess. But to even form the words and not say at all, this was a horrible decision. Um, I didn't even consider how uh, my position as a dean and how that would look if anyone found out. Because you definitely have a motive to have murdered her. But anyway, he was saying that they would meet at the lumberjack in and he's the one who initiated this affair so that's even worse so now this woman who's vulnerable because she's trying to get out of two controlling relationships and you provide her comfort by sleeping with her so now she has a third relationship that she's dealing with where this person is her boss so you you took it you took advantage of a vulnerable person that's disgusting and Jessica should have no dealings with you ever again because that is outrageous so he says that the night <laughs> like go, just going back to the story right he says the night that Allison Brevard was murdered that him and Lila were at the Lumberjack Inn a place that they could go without being seen and that as they were leaving, that they were almost run off the road. And he's like, it must have been a drunk driver. And Jessica's like, wait a second, what did the car look like? What time did this happen? And Edmund says it was a dark colored sedan. Now, I don't know if he said a dark blue or if he just said dark color. I only remember dark color, but uh, dark color sedan. He may have said blue. Um, he may have said blue or black. I think that he might have said blue or black. Now, um, at this point, Jessica is like ready to go. She's heard enough. <laughs> I'm sure she's like, um, I'm going to finish this lecture series and I'm going to tell him to lose my number because this is, I, listen. <laughs> so then Edmund uses his credit card to pay for lunch and we... We don't necessarily see Jessica's reaction, but the camera closes, does a close-up of the card and holds for like 30 seconds. So we know that this is a clue. This is a piece of the puzzle. Now, um, we go to the back to the university and we're in a classroom it's professor lowry's class and he's just finished his lecture and jessica comes in and she he apologizes for 
what happened yesterday in class, um, his, his reaction, like he didn't get out of pocket, but he was very short with her in answering the questions. But I'm like, I, she, she was like, no, it's fine. Cause yeah, she was cornering him. So you, know, <laughs> you get what you get. So she said, he says, listen, I, I realized with your line of questions, like I realized that I was out here just being foolish. So I went home, my wife and I stayed up all night talking and she decided that we agreed that we're going to try to work it out and that we're going away on a vacation at, I think that day, like for the weekend. And, um, I I was just thinking like, I hope she doesn't take him out to the woods and kill him. (laughs) She's like, Oh no, honey, it's all right. It's fine. I understand. We'll work it out. And then next thing you know, he is missing. (laughs) And she's like, I don't know what happened. Like he left the tent and just never came back. I don't understand. (laughs) He better watch his back with that wife. Okay. This is murder. She wrote. So (laughs) Jessica says that, um, as she's leaving, she's like, oh, you know, as I was pulling up in the taxi, I saw someone, a student, like, nick your car um, out front. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, the dark blue sedan out front. And he's like, no, my wife brought me to work today. Um, and But we have a yellow station wagon. <laughs> now, I'm thinking of, like, bright banana yellow, but... Maybe it's like a yellow wood paneling or so. I I would like to think that it's bright banana yellow. (laughs) Anyway, so he's like, we have a yellow station wagon. So she's like, oh, my mistake. So we then see Lieutenant Andrews and he's outside waiting for Jessica. And he says... Um, she's walking by. He's like, oh, Miss Fletcher. He's like, oh, Lieutenant Andrews. Um, any news? And so he says, yes, we found the murder of Alison Brevard. We found her jewelry in a pawn shop and we traced that back to a fence, uh, someone who uh, receives stolen goods and then distributes, sells them. <laughs> on behalf of the the thief. And from that fence, they were able to trace it back to the, uh, to Allison, her home, but they were able to trace the stolen merchandise. The fence received it from a burglar, a known burglar who has burglarized many homes in the area. And I believe there wasn't, and then he confessed. They, they found him brought him in, interrogated him, and he confessed to the theft and the murder. Now, I I guess I still think it was David Tolliver, okay? Did he pay this guy? Did, <laughs> like, did the guy do the burglary and then David killed her? I don't know. Like, we're to believe that David Tolliver did not kill Alison Brevard, Anyway, so now we're back at the hotel and this was one of, there are two very creepy scenes in this episode. One of which is this one right here. 
Okay. Jessica goes into her hotel room and she's like, I think she's taking off her earrings. She's in the living room area and she puts her bag down and she slowly looks to the right and sitting in a chair in her hotel room is David Master Manipulator Tolliver. And he's sitting there. He has, I don't know if it's tea or coffee, but he's sitting there with a, a teacup, just drinking from it and putting it down like he, like this is his room. I, oh, wow. I was like, oh, no, I don't, you don't get jump scared. <laughs> in murder she wrote but I was like oh no no I would have picked up my bag and walked outside and called the police because this is too much okay I told you don't come back here no more like this and just let yourself in and you sitting there you know an ordered room service <laughs> you probably charged it to the room too no he would have had to go I would he couldn't have said nothing to me I would have just walked right outside like oh not today and what are called the hotel security. Go on in there and, and drag him out. I don't want to hear nothing. He was not invited. Take him on out. But she doesn't do that. Okay. So. <laughs> and my question is. She walks in. And I guess the way it's set up. She didn't see him. But how does she not feel his presence? Like he. Just the presence of another person. Besides the fact that he is a major creeper. How does she not feel his the presence of somebody else in her hotel room, like feet away from her? That <laughs> that I'll never understand. Because I surely would have walked in that room like, what? I would have been looking around because <laughs> there's somebody in here. Um, you know, he looked like the type that wear heavy cologne too. So <laughs> she should have smelled him <laughs> before she, as soon as she opened the door. Because like some... Uh, aftershave or some real strong cologne that he he looked just like because he real clean and well put together homeboy got some strong scents okay <laughs> so um she's like how did you get in here I I told you not even I thought I told you never to let yourself in here again and he's he becomes immediately defensive and he's like I, I'm sorry but I forgot how do you forget when somebody literally kicked you out their hotel? Now, she was nice with it, but she kicked you out of her hotel room and was like, don't you do this again. And you said, on my honor. So that means nothing. That means that you a bold-faced liar, okay? <laughs> she was talking about how he lied, right? You lied about your alibi and you lied about pushing me down the stairs. And he was like, I didn't. I didn't push you down the stairs. Like, I got someone, someone called and said that um and said that professor larry wanted to meet you at 9 30 9 o'clock i should have thought better of it and went you know and stayed and waited to go with you but you know i didn't think anything of it and while i was out i heard about what happened in class that day so i immediately went to the school and again, he was just able to walk in and find her at the bottom of the stairs. Like, they need to lock that building up. That's not, that's not safe. Anyway, so Jessica's like, someone? What, say that again? He was like, he. He was like, no, 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 you didn't say he. You said someone. Why did you say someone? <laughs> like, it's, it, this puzzle is almost completely done. 
she has like three middle pieces left and he is popping them right in. Okay. And he's like, well, I don't know. Like the voice was like just above a whisper. It seemed forced. Um, so I really couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, to be honest. So I don't know if he specifically said it sounded like they were trying to disguise their voice, but he said just above a whisper, well, hardly above a whisper and sound like it sounded like it was being forced. So at this point, uh, we go right to the next scene and we're at the university and in Edmund's office and Jessica is asking where Edmund is. And Amelia's like, oh, he's not here. Is there anything I can help you with? And Jessica says, the lieutenant is going to get a search warrant, is going to get a warrant and come and arrest Edmund for the murder of Lila. And Amelia's like, he can't do that. Edmund has an alibi. Um, I, I don't understand. So Jessica said there was a dark blue sedan driving away from the warehouse. And so uh, to which Amelia says, I have a dark blue sedan. That's very, you know, that's a very common car. Like uh, that, that can't be all the evidence they have against him. They can't arrest him. And so Jessica says, well, you know, he had a relationship with Lila. She was like, he doesn't even know her. What are you talking about? Like, never. <laughs> this is like, ma'am. And he and Jessica's like, yes, they used to meet at the Lumberjack Inn. You know that the Lumberjack Inn right off of, you know, outside of campus. And she's like, no, why would I know that place? She was like, but you do know that place. Well, why would I lie? Yes. Why would you lie? <laughs> Because you are lying. I will say Jessica uses this line again in a future episode. And it's just as beautifully done then as it is now. And so Jessica says, you know, because you, you know about the Lumberjack Inn because you pay Edmund's credit cards. And, you know, (laughs) so, um... You know, you were talking to when I first came and met you, you were asking him about a charge on his charge card that you were paying for him. So I know that you get his credit card statements and know that he was going to the Lumberjack Inn. Now, as an aside, why in the world would you be using a credit card in your own name to rent a room to have an affair. Like he had to know this in 1984. She was married. If y'all were both single and it was not even that, you're her employer and she's an employee. That's already a job ending situation, a career ending situation. But in addition to that, she's married. In addition to being married, she's married to a lunatic. You know, (laughs) she's like, he's controlling and abusive. So she definitely, you know, listen, but, and two, she's also dating another professor. So like she has two controlling men that she's hiding from and you're just using your credit card because anyone could have followed her and seen you two in there. And now like, oh, I think, I think that's, uh, uh, Dean, um, 
I think that's Edmund. And just go in there and listen, in 1984, they just tell all your business and found out what room number you were in. And y'all could have been found out. You never, if you're going to be out here having an affair, you can't ever use a credit card in your real name. What are you doing? <laughs> you better pay in cash. What are you trying to get airline points? Ridiculous. That, ridiculous. Anyway, that's how Amelia found out that he was at the very least having an affair. Well, she didn't know if it was a affair. He was having a relationship with somebody and going to the Lumberjack Inn. However, um, she followed him. She went to, she believed it was Lila that he was, he was sleeping with. So she followed them to the Lumberjack Inn, saw them together and she waited till they left. Like she just was hanging out <laughs> until they left. Okay, girl, you got real problems. In that time, you should have figured out, you know what? This ain't worth it. This is not worth it. It ain't worth it. But at when they were leaving, she follows them and tries to run them off the road. And Jessica says, you wanted to scare them so that Edmund would break off the relationship. Uh, that... I don't know if that worked or not, because I don't think after that, that was the night of Alison Brevard's murder. So I I don't think that they went back to the Lumberjack Inn after that. So maybe it worked, question mark. (laughs) Anyway, so then Amelia says like after that, that she had, um, she also admits that she was the person who pushed Jessica down the stairs because that all fingers were pointed towards David Tolliver. But once Jessica was bringing up facts and information or questions about David Tolliver being the suspect, that she knew she had to get him out, get uh, Jessica out of the way. So she said she didn't, she didn't want to kill Jessica. She just wanted to frighten her. That's why she was wearing all black. But I'm like, you pushed this old, please excuse if, you know, but you pushed this old woman down the stairs and you were just trying to scare her. You could have murdered her. (laughs) My God, like you push somebody down the stairs and you're like, I was just trying to frighten you. How about you, when she turned the corner to go up the stairs, you just jumped out and and ran after her. Then that would have (laughs) been... would have been safer than pushing her down an entire flight of stairs. There had to be like 25 steps too. That outrage, I was trying to scare you. No, you were trying to murder her. Anyway, so she said that, you know, she wanted to confront Lila because, you know, she wanted her to stop going after Edmund. God forbid that you actually confront the man in this situation, but granted, Lila is the married one. So, and Lila is her competition as well. So I understand in this situation, because Lila was the only married person between her and Edmund, why Amelia would want to confront her. So she says that she goes to Lila's house. Oh, she was an employee so that her address is probably on file. That's how that's how Amelia knew where she lived. She goes, she sees Lila leaving 
and she seems a, a bit, she said she was acting strange. Lila was acting strange. So she followed her to the warehouse and she went in, Lila saw her, knew why she was there and laughed in her face. And so, um, this upset Amelia. She was like, I just grabbed whatever was near me. And it was the, um, it was a hook. And I just, I I swung it. And then I just ran. I just ran and ran. I was so scared. I just ran. And she turns around. She sees Edmund standing there. And Edmund is like, why did you do that, Amelia? And she says that it's because I love you. And he was like, what? I'm like, now you tell him? Like, this is how you tell him? And he says, "Uh, Lila was just a passing thing. I didn't care about her. I could have handled it. And so I'm like, how crappy does Amelia feel? Like, you were too scared to, or uncomfortable, or felt it was unprofessional, or didn't unsure about his response to tell him that you loved him but you were willing to confront this woman who's like she's not half her age though right who's probably like 15 years younger than you you were going to confront her in an abandoned warehouse but you were going to you confronted her you found the courage to confront her but you couldn't go to Edmund and say you know what, I I don't care what happens. I just need to let you know that I love you, you know, and I want to make a go of it. You couldn't do that, but you could kill somebody. Okay, ma'am. Okay. You could follow them, nearly run them off the road. You could have killed both of them with that, uh, running them off the road. And then you go confront her in a warehouse. Amelia got some real deep rooted issues. Okay. She, she need to get some help. As does Edmund. Edmund needs to be fired for real. But Amelia needs some, she needs a lot of therapy and a lot of prison. I'm, I'm just saying, she did kill that lady. Um, so the final scene, we're at the airport. This is the other creepy scene, okay? This is, we're ending on a very creepy note. This, this is the best part of the episode because it really seals it up good. So... Um, Jessica is, I don't think she wasn't in a store. She was in the airport and, uh, maybe getting a souvenir, but it wasn't a formal store. It was kind of like a a stand. And suddenly you see this bear puppet and it's, uh, David Tolliver's holding it and was like, oh, you know, Whatever he said. I wasn't paying attention because I was just thrown off by this whole situation. And how, how sickly that bear looked in the face <laughs> with David's hand in it. Anyway, um, so Jessica was just like, wasn't even putting on. She wasn't being rude, but she wasn't being nice either. So she was being respectful that she was being respectful and so um, he tells, David tells Jessica, like, let's stop playing games. You know, I've made it clear that I'm, I'm extremely attracted to you. Um, 
And she's like, yeah, okay. It's like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm attracted to older women who are bright and funny. And he didn't say this, but a rich, (laughs) he is a man with certain taste. Okay. (laughs) Somebody got to pay that Porsche bill. Well, no, I'm sorry. Allison bought it outright. Correct. You know, someone got to keep him in uh, $100 bankrolls, you know. He 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 got it. He has a standard and he has to keep up. So he needs rich older women <laughs> to take to to take care of him. So Jessica is just she has dropped all pretenses. She has seen through him, and finally she is no longer moved by his manipulation. But again, the person she is, she is polite, and she says you know, um, maybe, okay. So (laughs) David says, well, you know, people who are even just acquaintances can say bye. And she says, you know, goodbye, David. He's like, well, when you finish your next book, send me a signed copy. And she says, I'll do you one better. I'll make you a character in the book. And he says, oh, would I be a victim, a suspect, or a killer? And she says, I haven't decided yet. Which lets us know that I don't think that she is 100% convinced that the burglar killed Allison Brevard. Now, we know for sure that Amelia murdered Lila accidentally so maybe like a murder a murder in the second degree type situation maybe she could get like 15 years maybe 10 I don't know depending 10 20 something like that but I don't think Jessica when she heard it or even now is comfortable with the lieutenant's conclusion that the burglar is the one who murdered Allison because It could have been that David actually did the burglary and murdered her. And we don't know if there was forced entry or whatnot. I'm sure David had a key or he could have made it look forced himself. And then he gave this stuff to the burglar. And um, why the burglar would take a murder rap, I don't know. I don't know if it was any more time than he would have normally gotten anyway. I don't, he could have been scared of David. I would be scared of David (laughs) too. Or David promised him a lot of money that maybe like, it'll be there when you get out. Um, but I don't think Jessica is convinced that David did not murder Alison Brevard. And I'm not convinced that he didn't kill her either. I don't think it was the burglar. And that's why Jessica was like, I haven't decided yet. And she then walks away. And at this point, David has a smirk slash smile on his face. As soon as Jessica has turned and walked away, the camera is on David's face. He's smiling and then it drops completely. And he has the most sinister look on his face. I'm a little scared for Jessica, but you know, it is episode seven. (laughs) So 
obviously she survives to um, save more of her relatives and others from a false murder conviction. But that was the most sinister, creepy, uncomfortable look that I have ever seen. And the actor did an excellent job playing David Tolliver. And he is in a future episode where he plays somebody who's less, much less creepy. Thankfully, it's far enough away that you can separate his characters. But this was an episode that I really enjoyed. And as you can see by the length of this description, <laughs> I I took some detours, but this was a really good episode. It's, it's one that I watch frequently from beginning to end, even with the master manipulator, even when Jessica makes me mad because she's falling for it. But it's a quality episode and I'm really excited to share it with you guys. So next week, we will be talking about hit run and homicide. And I'll be completely honest, I have for years thought it was hit and run homicide. Okay, which makes more sense, but maybe it's a little too on the nose. (laughs) So you're going to hear that again in that that review. (laughs) Anyway, so if you guys want to get next week's episode early, you can go right over to Patreon and search just me being dramatic or and and sign up or you if you want to email me you can email me at just me being dramatic no spaces at gmail.com so i will see you guys next week either right here on the podcast or over on patreon see you guys next week bye